Last Sunday morning in the devotional, I read from Colossians chapter 3 and looked somewhat at verse 16 where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And afterwards, one of the brothers here asked me, because I talked a little bit up there about admonishing, said, you use the open Bible, right? The particular Bible that I've had for a number of years. And I said, yeah. He said, well, and they'll often put a little word down below that references the Greek word kind of and, and what it may be a different meaning. And I hadn't really thought about this, but it mentions there under admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it, it says urging one another in those ways, which makes a lot of sense when we think about singing, urging each other on. And I've felt that already this morning with the singing and the songs being urged on. And so that kind of set me into a little bit of a study there on that word and and moved from that word actually over into the with this idea of urging each other on and encouraging each other, moved over to thinking about edifying and edification. And so that's what I'd like to talk about this morning is edifying one another, urging one another on. And what does that word actually mean, edify? And I'm sure most of you know, but uh, a couple of people here in the congregation right now are building new homes, and a couple of us are adding on for our uh, aged parents. And, and so you build, you're building. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the word built there is that Greek word that is edify. If, when you look at the word edify, edification, edif, um, edifying, there's a number of words, they all come back to that word that means to basically build a house. That's what it's talking about. Or a house builder, someone that is building something. And so I was thinking about that. How do we build each other up? How do we help each other? How do we do that? And turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I guess as I, I looked at this word and I looked at the context where it's used often, it kind of maybe reshaped what I was thinking about when it comes to this idea of edification and how it's often used in the New, in the New Testament. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, I want to read uh, the first, I think I'll read the first ten verses here. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word, that you may grow thereby, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone. Now think about here, we're talking about a living stone, and we're talking about something that is built up disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, talking about Christ. Ye also are lively stones or living stones. Ye are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. 
Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which dis, are dis, be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made as the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that are called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So in this context here, as we think about building something, and this is kind of laying a little bit, and no, I guess it makes sense, laying a foundation for what we want to build in the message as well, that the church of Jesus Christ is a building made up of lively stones. In other words, we are alive. Part of that building, we are living, breathing, uh, spirit-filled people that are part of this building that God is building. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so as we think about that, it's a, it's a holy building, it's a precious building, it's precious to God how then do we want to operate within that building to continue the process, to edify, so that it continues to be built up? And that's what I was thinking about, this idea of edification. How do we edify one another so that the building continues to be built in the right way? Now, you can build a building without a foundation. Some people do it sometimes. It may look good for a while. I doubt Nathan's ever build a building and just decided, you know what, I don't think I'll call anybody to put in a foundation. Let's, let's just lay, oh, we'll get some treated lumber and lay it on the ground and forget about moving the topsoil out of the way. Let's just build it. There have been some buildings built like that. There was one over, uh, LaVon could tell you about one, not far from his house that uh, was pretty much built that way. Didn't work very good, did it, LaVon? No, it didn't. So we, don't, we, we want a foundation, a good, firm foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. That is where the building needs to be founded on. And then it grows from there. And so as we think about the fact that this building is on the foundation of Jesus Christ, or the chief cornerstone, I should say. Chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ, where everything else is measured from. That's what a chief cornerstone did. Everything else was measured from that. What, do, what kind of building do we want to do? It should be extremely important to us because of whose building it is. I don't know if it would make a difference to most contractors, but if you would be called by someone of great importance, maybe, I don't know who you would think about in a country, and say, hey, I'd like to build a home. Oh, boy, we want to get this one right. We want to get this one perfect. You know, I don't know if it makes a difference to contract, but the building of the church needs to be built correctly. And how can I help build that? What can I do in that process? Thinking about that, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll look at the last three verses of Ephesians chapter 2, thinking about this being built. He says, uh, we are built upon the foundation. So we have 
Jesus Christ, again, the chief cornerstone, as it says here, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. This building that we're working on is a habitation for God because there are Spirit-filled people within that building. And so it's where God wants to be, in his church, in his building that is being built. Now, keep your thumb right there. Turn over about a page in your Bible, probably, to chapter 4. And I think we'll read the first 13 verses there. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, as I read this, think about, is this a way we build this building? Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, he that ascended, what is it but he that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things, and gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why? For the perfecting or the, the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to stop right there. I know I'm stopping mid-sentence, but that's where we're going to stop. Here it says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and so forth. But if you go back to verse 20, or, uh, verse, verse 20 of chapter 2, it says the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So I believe the foundation was the apostles and the early prophets and, and teachers. Primarily those apostles in the early church that were, that were the foundation. Now, some people will tell you, well, we still have apostles and we still have this and we still have that. And I, in our building project there, why, uh, had someone come and they put in the foundation and then they put the walls, the cement walls up on that. And then a week later, I had somebody come and put a foundation on top of that and more cement walls. And then we laid another foundation. No, you're looking at me saying, what is wrong with you? No, there's one foundation and that's it. The apostles were the foundation. We don't need more because we've got a foundation. And that's been built and that's been laid. Now, some people say, well, apostle in the sense of someone that goes about telling about Jesus, well, we should all be apostles then. But in the, in the biblical sense, makes it clear here, that was the foundation. And then everything else is built up on top of that. And it's, going, it's growing and growing and continuing to grow. But again, notice that, it, that Jesus Christ is that cornerstone of this building that we want to be a part of. And when you go over to chapter 4 there, it says, for the perfecting of the saints or for the equipping, uh, that it's edifying of the body, 
And as we grow and become in unity and the faith and complete and mature in Christ, and that's what we're looking for in the brotherhood is that we grow together in this. Now, there are a lot of practical ways that we can build each other up. Now, I'm not talking about building up each other's egos. There are ways to do that, too. <laughs> you can do all kinds of things to, to just make people feel better, build up their ego and whatever. There are a lot of practical ways that people do things to encourage and build each other up. And that is, I'm blessed to see that in this brotherhood. And, and last Sunday, for instance, what you did for us as a ministry was edifying to my wife and I, and I'm sure the rest of the ministry and others, that, we, that you encourage us in that way. And so that's edifying. Uh, helping each other with different projects, like it's been happening. Uh, some of the brothers have spent a lot of time helping me with my project. That's encouraging. It's building up. It's edifying. And you can maybe help each other out with meals, sit down with people and visit with them, relationships, sharing, and all these ways. Those are means of edification. And frankly, when I looked into this, I thought, that's more of what I'm going to find when it comes to edifying within the brotherhood. I'm going to find a lot of these ways within the, the scriptures. And I was a little bit surprised, frankly, of maybe the fact that it didn't quite go in the direction that I thought it would when I looked at this more closely. And so I don't want this morning to overlook those practical ways of just helping people out that do encourage and build. But within the scriptural context, there's something that I, I noticed, and I would like for you to turn to Romans chapter 14. So Romans chapter 14, as you Bible readers know, are deals with this idea of eating meat that's offered to idols. And Paul was the type of person that, in his mind, it didn't matter if meat was offered to idols. If I understand where he's coming from, he said, you know, it's, it's just meat. An idol is nothing. So if you offer it to nothing, it doesn't matter. Um, basically, go buy your meat in the meat market and don't ask questions for your own conscience sake and just go home and cook it and eat it. Don't worry about where it was. But within the church, there especially from those that had be, uh, come into the church that had a Jewish background, that was you just didn't do that. You did not buy meat that had been offered to idols, and you didn't cook it, and you didn't you didn't touch it. That was just out. And so Paul talked about the fact that it it really wasn't it didn't matter so much that you could eat it. It was not prohibited. But he spent a lot of time in the scripture talking about the fact that if you do it and it offends your brother or sister in the church, then don't do it. Just stay away from it. He said, I'll just, I just won't eat meat the rest of my life if that's what it takes to not offend my brother or sister. And again, and you've heard me say this before, but I'll remind you of my understanding of offending, like in Romans chapter 14, is not where 
you know, this idea that someone says something kind of offhanded remark, doesn't think, or maybe they do think, and they say something, and oh, that offended me. I was offended, and now I've got to deal with this. I'm just offended. Or somebody said this, and that offended me, or the preacher barked about that, and now I'm offended, or whatever, on and on and on, you know, that kind of thing. Or the preacher, somebody says something to them and about something they said, and now they're offended. That's not, I don't think, what the Scripture's talking about in these contexts of using the word offended. It's talking about, and if you look at the Greek words closely, you can see it's talking more about if someone actually lays a trap for someone or there's a trap set and someone steps in that trap or an animal or something sets them in a trap that they didn't see that was there. And they get trapped unknowingly and eventually hurt or harmed. So as we think about that in Romans chapter 14, what Paul was saying was, if you go and you eat meat that's been offered to idols, and someone looks at you and says, oh, he can do it. Why can't I do it? And they do it, and it hurts. They, in a sense, they have a conscience against it, but they do it anyway because you did it. They begin to kind of steer that conscience, or they begin to do things that maybe in their life, it's like, well, I had a conscience against it, and somebody's doing it, so I can do it, and then pretty soon there's something else that maybe someone else is doing, and they do it. And the first thing you know, this person actually loses their salvation. They, they walk away from God eventually, or they, are so, they begin to sear that conscience they have to a point where they actually are lost. And Paul says, I won't eat meat if it's going to cause my brother to lose out on his salvation or to become very weakened. Maybe he doesn't, he or she doesn't lose their salvation, but they certainly aren't growing. They're not being edified. So in that context, if you look at verse 19 of Romans chapter 14, he says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. You see, this building is God's building. And I'm, when I'm talking about the building, I'm talking about this, the church, the brotherhood in particular here that's growing up. It's God's. So he said, for your ability to eat meat, don't destroy the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. And you can go on down through and, and, and look at this whole chapter. But it's evil for that person that eats with offense. It's, it's actually evil. It's not just a bad idea. It's, it's evil to do that. Why? Because one of those lively stones within that building, one of those living stones is going to be harmed rather than build up. So in this context, and this is what it seems to be used at considerably here in the New Testament, when it talks about edifying, it's in the context of not offending or hurting your brother or sister in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'd like for you just to, to go through the scriptures with me and look at some of these. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, 
Again, Paul is talking about, notice notice what he's saying here. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And then he goes on and says, whatsoever is sold in shambles, that eat. But, and again, he's in this, this idea of eating the things that offer to idols. But says, don't seek your own wealth. In other words, don't just look out for yourself. How much different does a brotherhood look if everyone in the brotherhood is looking out for the others and never for themselves. How does that relate even to small things? Even, well, there's nothing wrong with this. I can do it. I don't see why we can't do this. I'm going to do it. I think this fits within our standards, so I'm just going to do it. Or maybe it's pushing the line, but it's not too far, so I'm just going to do it. And instead of thinking about the weaker brother or sister in the church. And I'm talking to myself as well. There are things that don't bother me. I'm sure bother other people. How much different does a brotherhood look like? What's that look like when everyone within the brotherhood, when they want to make a decision, rather than saying, well, I can do this, what are they going to say about it? Rather say, you know what? I want to build up this body. I want to build up this building. This is God's building. I'm not going to seek my own wealth. I'm going to seek the wealth of others. I'm going to try to help those, especially the weaker ones that may be struggling in certain areas. That's what I want to do. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a builder up, not a tearer down of things. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, similar thing that he's talking about, starting at verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that all, that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity, love edifies. Love builds up. You can have knowledge and know that the meat offered in the, to idols is nothing. Yeah, we got knowledge. What about love? What about love? If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is none other God but one. And you can go on and look at it in this context there. He's, again, he's right back to talking about this. But in that, in that context of what he's talking about again, he says, love is what edifies. Not the fact that I know that it doesn't matter what this stuff was offered to. I, I know that. It's ridiculous. But love will build up. Now, as we think about focusing on ourselves and 
rather than on others, or maybe you want to flip that around, look at it more positively, thinking about others rather than ourselves. Another part comes into that. And we often, I think, one of the great things about the church is God has given different spiritual gifts to different people. And everybody's got some. And everybody can be using them in the brotherhood. But sometimes they clash. And again, do we take the time to sit back and look at this thing and say, okay, is my gift the only one? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. A lot of this happens here in 1 Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have it talking a lot about the the gifts, spiritual gifts. And then Paul, in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts, he moves into talking about love is the main thing. So we talked about the fact that love builds up. And so he's talking about spiritual gifts. And then he, then he you know, it's, it's just interesting how Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter, just happens to be between chapter four, or 12 and 14. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. And then you go into chapter 14 and he starts talking about gifts again and how they're used. And so love is the the thing there. So you go into chapter 14, and he's talking here about uh, tongues and prophesying, or prophesying, we might say, teaching, preaching, that type of uh, exhortation versus the use of tongues. In that, again, in this context of spiritual gifts and people having different gifts and people using their gifts, Notice how much he talks about edifying and building up. In verse 3 of 14, he says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Well, that's great. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. There's a big difference there. Is it better to edify yourself or to edify the church? Build yourself up? Or build up the church. Down to verse 12. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. If your spiritual gift that you have is not edifying the church, it's not being used correctly. Same for me. If my gifts are not building up, there's no point in having them. Yesterday, we were doing some shingling on our addition there we're putting on, and we didn't use a backhoe to do it. No. I think Tim and Ken would have had a fit if I'd have said, here, let's just kind of put those up there and pack them on with the... No, it's not how you do it. On the other hand, when they dug the hole to start, if they'd have come out there with some roofing tools... Well, we would still be doing it. We'd still be hacking away at that hole. No. You use the gifts for building properly in the proper way. When they get out of place, you're no longer building. It's just not working. 
in verse 17 of chapter 14. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. He's talking about with um, using tongues and incorrectly. Over in verse 26 of chapter 14. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine or a teaching, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. It's all to be done in edifying. Why are we here this morning? Well, we say we come to worship the Lord, and we do. Worship is more than just being here at church on a Sunday morning. We're here, I think, a great deal of why we're here this morning is for edification, for edifying, for building up of the body, for growing. I don't know how you find it, but for myself, I need a brotherhood. I need other Christians to continue to grow and to be built up. When you're just off on your own for a while, it's pretty easy to to not be growing, to go backwards. To not be coming, to not be strengthened and build up. And so edification, it's interesting, is focused a lot in the New Testament on in the context of not offending your brother or sister in the church by your liberties and by using your gifts properly. The areas that often will tear people down if not done correctly and not used properly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Our words can also have a play a big part and whether or not someone is built up or tore down. Now, does that mean that we take out of the picture some of the other things that the New Testament talks about? Talked a little bit about admonition last week. The Bible talks about correcting those types of things. Does that mean that, well, we want to stay away from that because we don't want to offend anyone, so we just won't ever correct someone or challenge someone on their view or challenge someone on their doctrine or their theology or whatever or their lifestyle or what they're doing. Does that mean that? <clears throat> well, if you let's go back again to, to building a home. If you're in the process of building your house and you realize that something's not going to work where it's at or how it is, well, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll slap some drywall over it and who cares? It'll, it'll all figure itself out. No. You change it. You correct it. If you want the building to be built correctly, sometimes you have to make changes along the way. Sometimes there are things that you didn't think about until all of a sudden you're looking at it. Well, this isn't right. This isn't going to work. And so you make changes. You alter things. But that can be done in ways of building up. Often, as individuals, when someone challenges us on something or corrects us or talks to us about an area of our life that they see as a concern, whether right or wrong, but they see it and they want to share with us, their goal is to edify. And often we take it wrongly and we, we get hurt. 
and we get what we call offended by it, and we don't want, no. True edification at times, because of having varied gifts in the brotherhood, true edification is sometimes working on things that need to be changed, needs to be done. I think about the building of the temple and how the stones were shaped. And even if you go and look at Solomon's temple today, some of those stones are huge. They have theories of how they got them there and set them up, but they're not really sure. Even with our equipment today, some of those stones would be a challenge to get where they're at and put them in place, and they're there. And they're all smooth. I don't know how they did some of those things back then, but they did it. But it took work, and it took chipping off of some things that weren't going to be right and squaring things up and forming them correctly. But it wasn't done by just crushing the stone and letting the thing fall apart either. So when we go to someone to edify them, we use words that we, that we want to correct in the ways that build up and not tear down. In other words, when you're building a house and you realize one of the walls is in the wrong spot, most builders don't get a bulldozer, shove the whole thing over, pile it in dumpsters and haul it away and start all over again. If you got that many walls out of place, you didn't start very well. Let's just put it that way. But you don't do that. So you do it carefully, but you do what you need to do along the way. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, you want to look at the first three verses. We then that are strong, and of course everybody thinks he's strong, um, but I think you understand here, if, if we have, if we've been a Christian, we understand some things, okay? But it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities or the inabilities or the weaknesses of those that are weak. And not to what? This thing keeps popping up again. Please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Again, in this context of edification, we are not to please ourselves, but to please his neighbor. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. He did it for us. He did. Christ is an example of someone who, he, and again, he is the chief cornerstone of the church, but he went through things. Why? For us, that we might become lively stones, part of this building, and be, in the, and be edified. So, again, those that are stronger, we don't do the things that just please ourselves. We do the things that please the weaker for their edification. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even, also, even as also ye do. And I guess that's how I'd like to close this morning. I know that many of you edify one another. And Paul says, even as also ye do. And I just want to thank you for those of you that do edify and encourage others 
not looking out for yourself, but looking out for others. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing that. Why? Because you comfort yourselves together, edifying one another. So continue to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ, chief cornerstone. Thank you, Lord, that we are part of this wonderful building project, the church. Thank you that we can be a part of that. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as a brotherhood, that we would truly edify one another, that we would look out for the things of others and not for ourselves in the small and in the big decisions that we make, that we would always focus on the well-being of others, that we would be edifying others and not ourselves. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.